coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss how to keep a prime minister grounded. Next up, Mist Patch leaves more than a system vulnerable. And finally, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 60, recorded on September 21st, 2020. I'm your co-host, Kelsey, pun to be wild, LaBelle. With me, co-host Chad, we've got no names, man, no names. We're nameless, Anderson. And last but not least, Tarek, making a mountain out of a malware, Salah. Wow, gentlemen. We're back. We're back. What does that sound like? Slightly threatening. You thought you had a break. You had Jeff. You heard fewer puns. Slightly. You had a two, basically two weeks off of puns. So back, back in the game. So I like the way back. that you enunciated malware sala there. By the way, it sounded like you said malware salad, uh, which I'm now thinking about. Would that be delicious or disgusting? Mm. Malware I salad. I mean, it would be inventive. Um, <laughs> I think it'd be disgusting. It'd be like a salad that's got like Thousand Island dressing, which I think is the grossest thing in the world. So to me, my interpretation is it's a Thousand Island dressing salad. Because <laughs> Thousand Island is just like obfuscating mayonnaise or something. That is- <laughs> <laughs> obfuscated mayonnaise. That's disturbing. Um, would you prefer a malware or an implant salad? Mm. I'd prefer a malware salad. I'll be honest, just based yeah. on how that sounds. I, I don't. I don't want an implant salad. <laughs> Nobody's agreeing with me though. That I, concerns you know, me a little bit. <laughs> I'm just not. They both sound terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not having a good time with either. <laughs> <laughs> That's the food my food eats, as Ron Swanson would say. What am I, a rabbit? <laughs> flu shot somebody type cookie <laughs> um, <laughs> all right we're just gonna we're just gonna segue in here i could talk about salad all day um and i know both of you would hate that so we will move along to our first article which is how to keep prime ministers grounded so an australian hacker obtained tony abbott's passport details and personal phone number using a photo of a plane boarding pass so the former prime minister had posted that on social media was um there's just so much to say about this and i love alex hope and the quote-unquote hacker here and how he uses this blog um his voice is just fantastic i'm gonna do my best to refer to his sort of like staging it's sort of like a play the way he lays this out with the acts um so chad i'm gonna ask you to walk us through the preamble or Act 1, how exactly did this Australian tomfoolery begin? Yeah, so uh, first I agree, this is how all write-ups should always be done. Uh, the level of sarcasm here was so deep. It was like the, the, the deepest that it could possibly be, which only an Aussie could pull off. So um, I liked it. Uh, but basically, I, I would assume from Act 1 here that Alex Hope saw a similar talk at DEF CON uh, that I did several years back where the author basically data mined a bunch of Instagram um, boarding pass photographs from hashtags 
and uh, was able to collect people's passport numbers and information from airline sites because what a lot of people don't realize is that your uh, boarding reference number is basically your password um, for you know your booking reference. So uh, that researcher reached out to airlines. You know, what was this like 2017, maybe 2016 when I first saw this talk, and uh, they of course never fixed it because um, it's you know it's an added layer of complexity for uh, you know passengers. But um, so here we are, 2020. Um, Alex Hope was apparently telling their friends about this possibility. Um, and then the prime, ex-prime minister, Tony Abbott, posted on Instagram and his friends, you know, slid into his DMs and said, hack this guy. What can you do? And um, he was able to get the uh, passport with pretty or the passport number with minimal effort. I never thought I'd hear you say the phrase slide into my DM. So that was... Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's there. <laughs> also, can, I think this would be a great Twitter handle. It's like sarcastic, a CVE underscore sarcasm. Yeah. Um, can you imagine if that's the way that we communicated CVEs? That would be far more entertaining. I think it would stick with people more. I think there's something there. There's several. There should be like a Sopranos one, you know, where they just like <laughs> talk really Jersey. And then, you know, you could have, you know, this high sarcasm. You could, oh, you could go with like a, you know, speaking of acts, so like a, like a Shakespearean insults one. It'd be great. <laughs> you, you, this is going back. To some other Shakespearean conversation we've had on this podcast. I can't remember which episode it was, but it was something with like Shakespeare fishing, I believe. Mm. So this is not the first time Shakespeare's come up. Yeah. All right. To continue or not to continue, um, that is the question. So here we go. We're done. (laughs) Well, this is perfect. This is very in line with a theme that Alex brings into his blog himself. So. Uh, for, which speaking of, I'm really glad he didn't title this blog Five Steps to Find Former Australian Prime Minister Tony Abbott's Passport Number. <laughs> you'll um, never believe these you'll two. You'll never believe it. <laughs> um, I'm going to use a word that a lot of people hate, but imagine if this would have been a listicle, how painful that would have been. That would have been just the worst. I'm glad. Thank you, Alex, for not doing that. Um, so, But anyway, there were five steps that Alex listed here. What were those, Chad, to grabbing good old Tony's passport number? Yeah, uh, well, the five steps um, were really just two, um, but expanded for dramatic effect. Um, So, alas, uh, (laughs) um, he had some problems reading the barcode off the boarding pass, um, but the booking reference number is always like printed on the boarding pass. He was just able to grab that. Um, You can read the barcode or the barcode scanner sometimes too. Sometimes people like block out their booking reference number and think they can post it to Instagram and get away with it. But uh, yeah, you just put that into the airline site and um, that will, for most airlines, log you into the passenger's like detail pane and manage the booking. Uh, that's that's security. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> yeah, get refer- reference number. Type into airline website. Done hacking. <laughs> I'm in. Step one: read barcode. Step two: profit. <laughs> yeah. And I love, by the way, that he has this deep dive into ins- the inspector element, and now I just can't imagine alex hope looking anything other than like matthew broderick and inspector gadget Mm. um (laughs) which is a great image so can you describe first of all how the element works and how he used that to his advantage and what exactly he found when he turned into inspector element slash gadget 
Yeah. Well, Inspector Element is actually like the evil hacker twin brother brother of Inspector Gadget. It's kind of like, you know, the Star Trek like cross episodes where they all have goatees. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's, it's Inspector Gadget with a goatee. Um, I'm going to Photoshop a goatee on the yeah. Broderick and send it to Alex Hope and see if he listens to our podcast. If not, he'll be disturbed. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, if you if you right click on any page in your browser or any element in a page rather, um, you can summon Inspector Element to perform evil. Uh, there's a little Inspect Element, <laughs> which lets you, uh, as you may have guessed, inspect that element on the page. Um, an element is a thing um, for those that aren't aware. But uh, in this case, uh, Alex just needed to look at what data was passed along as part of the HTTP request. So like, you know, you figure you put in the booking reference number, you hit go, it goes back to a database, returns a bunch of elements about the booking and the passenger. um, And depending upon how that's stored on the page, you can just go ahead and look at all that data or if it came back in the request itself as maybe stored as a cookie or something. But um, yeah, that was was pretty much it. Just had to inspect element and go and look at uh, where it populated all of those details, including Another, password number. Uh, oh, sorry, Chad. I just interrupted you. And oh, no. you know what it's going to be. It's going to be a really bad joke. So what? Hit me with it. <laughs> okay. So we have the, the we've got the fe- the feature film, Inspector Element. The TV show could be called Elementary. Oh. Uh, wow. That's like kind of like, you know, that feels like. Kind of like when Inspector Gadget like tried to deploy the hatcopter and it didn't work <laughs> and just biffed it into the ground. That's what happened there. <laughs> My, that might be the lowest moment I've had on this podcast. Tark didn't even dun, take himself dun, off mute. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <sighs> I can give you a, a, a pity laugh if you really want it, Kelsey. No, please. But I think please. you're better than that. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't we, uh, a pity laugh. We grow this is a family um ailment, this this pun thing, and when my dad would do it, we'd do a courtesy laugh. So um mm. thank you for not It's like a courtesy flush. Um, uh. <laughs> yes, Chad. <laughs> Alright, so let's let's not leave people hanging here. Um what other than the goal of not being arrested, which is a, I already love that that's what the blog started with. This took many months every day. Every day. <laughs> Say that to the mirror every morning. Um, do you want to provide some highlights from the second act while Alex was trying not to be arrested and, and what that whole process looked like that took many months to get this communicated to the proper folks? Yeah, so it took five months in total. Um, but Alex, you know, basically went through responsible disclosure. Well, first, you know, kind of sounded like freaked out and went and talked to a lawyer um, to see if he'd actually broken the law. Um, but then he, he spent a ton of time trying to figure out how to contact the right authorities. He finally got around to the Aussie uh, cert. Was that AU cert? Maybe. Yeah. Um, and let him know. Uh, you know, what was going on. And they kind of responded with like, okay, maybe you compromised it. Um, and, uh, yeah, which is typical. Anytime you do responsible disclosure is usually the first response is we don't believe you. Um, so, uh, then eventually proved it, um, sent a really cool, it looks like a Shaka emoji, which I, I gotta give props for that, um, to the AU cert team. Um, then told Contis or Qantas, 
Cantus. I don't know. It's an Australian word that probably means something. Um, and they took five months to remove a single field from their web page. So, uh, you know, hashtag production. Um, then, uh, and of course, it was heavily a bridge. Took more effort than this. Um, he reached out to a ton of Tony Abbott's uh, contacts that he found on Wikipedia because he couldn't get a hold of Tony Abbott directly. And his page um, kept just going to a 403 on like the submit contact form. And Tony Abbott eventually called him and they had a chat about computer security. Um, and I thought this was the funniest thing. He said that uh, Tony Abbott was like, I don't understand this computer stuff, but if you drop me in the bush, um, that I could survive for days on my own, which is the most Australian thing um, ever. So uh, a pretty cool ending all around. Um, I'm going to just sit and wait for the Obamas to post their boarding passes to Honolulu sometime so I can uh, get my phone call and, you know, private surf instruction lesson. Get that call from Mish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... How does this story end? Give us some resolution. What does this mean for airline customers and politicians alike? So this continues to be uh, an issue. Like you can hop on Instagram right now and just collect and, and go start trying airlines. They vary, you know, what data you can get uh, without uh, proving more about yourself. But, um, you know, it's important for people to remember that your booking reference is your password. Your ID is basically your login at the airport, right? Like if you were to put them into, you know, login and password terms. So, um, uh, but online they skip that formality, right? They just ask for your booking reference. So, um, maybe that'll require changes in the future. Um, I doubt it. The last time that I saw this heavily talked about, um, there was a bunch of noise and then nothing happened. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing not much will be different. Just don't post pictures of your passport on the internet. <laughs> you know, I'd like to add, in addition to the hoodie ratings, I like a opti an optimism barometer each week. Mm. I doubt that we'd ever reach like a healthy amount, but it would be funny nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the... the uh... I don't know, the future quality index. We can, few, yeah. 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 You know that you have air quality issues when you're throwing out terminology like that. Yeah. <laughs> you're looking up a lot of air quality references. The, the, future <laughs> is, uh, the future is sensitive for unhealthy groups um, yeah. or, or unhealthy for sensitive groups. There we go. Oh, boy. Well, speaking of rating systems, let's get into those hoodies. And Tarek, you've been awfully silent. Have you been scrubbing your Instagram? I've just been having a really good time. Uh, I actually, every time I think about Australia, I don't know if you've ever seen the episode, but I always think about the Simpsons when they went to Australia. And if you haven't seen it, uh, please do. It's probably one of the funniest things you'll ever see. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely ready to talk about it. You want to talk about hoodie ratings? I'm going to give this one 10 out of 10 fosters uh, when it comes to the rating system. <laughs> Uh, he's putting it out. He's just going to throw that. He's not going to even explain. He's just. I don't. You don't need to. I think this thing is just. I, I think it's hilarious. I think that you know you have. Um, what we have here is like a sense of comfort from people in power. Where um, and I forget some of the specific details here. I think it was somebody in the Indian government was bragging about how unhackable they were, and they posted their equivalent of a social security number to Twitter. And um, I don't know if you follow him on Twitter too, but the security researcher 
that goes by Elliot Alderson uh, as like an homage to, uh, you know, Mr. Robot. Ended up doing like a full docs of the the, the person in the Indian government, and uh, hmm. it was a big deal. So I think this is kind of akin to that, where um, you know you just have kind of really sloppy opsec people that get really too comfortable with their position of power, and they forget how um, how easy it is to really kind of exploit uh, trivial things. And we saw that here. So ten out of ten cans of Foster's beer. Slopsec. Slop sack. Slop sack. Oh, that's a solid. That's another solid account. <laughs> Anybody's free to take these. Uh, yeah. Included. Um, Registering um, all now. At slop sack. <laughs> all right, Chad, what would you rate this at? Um, you know, I would like to note, uh, just in case there are in any Australian listeners, we are aware that no one in Australia has actually ever seen or tasted a Foster's beer. Um, uh, <laughs> <but>, uh, <laughs> I'm going to give it, uh, you know, I am also going to give it 10 out of 10 hoodies. All of those hoodies though are upside down. Um, obviously because they're, they're in the Southern hemisphere. <laughs> the hoodie is on the bottom. <laughs> the hoodie, yeah, hoodie, yeah. They're actually pants. So, uh, these Hacker are pants. all, these are all pants with a hood. I don't know what the hood's for, but it's, <laughs> Don't ask questions the, you don't want the answer to, Chad. <laughs> Did the hoodies have a picture of Paul Hogan on the front, too? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The greatest love story ever told, obviously, uh, as you all know, as I brought up before, is Crocodile Dundee. Um, I would highly encourage required viewing for listeners of this podcast or Hackers the Movie and Crocodile Dundee. Um, and also one Shakespeare play. Uh, make it a, one of the Faust ones. <laughs> crack open a nice can of fosters while you do it too yeah yeah because you can't get like a 36 ounce beer or whatever weird size they're in and anything else <laughs> all right i'm gonna one up the foster beer i'm gonna be that one obnoxious one upper i think the best and this is all relative what is international but as an american my favorite international beer beverage is chang chang beer in thailand because the alcohol content is not regulated. So there is a game called Chang Roulette. And I'll let you just imagine where that night could take you or not take you because you just don't know. It's like a box of chocolates, but it's beer. You just don't know what you're going to get. Wait, are you telling me that, well, maybe not for the imported Chang. I'm thinking yeah. that there's Chang that's imported at the, at the liquor store by me. And if that's the case, <laughs> I'm only drinking Chang from here on out. I'm not interested in hearing about your exports, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is only when enjoying that beverage in the country of Thailand, to my mm. knowledge. Um, but, you know, tell yourself differently and see how that impacts the next time you enjoy that beverage. <laughs> yeah. Well, I fun. know. The more you know. <laughs> da, da, on da, breaking da. bad news. <laughs> All right. Okay. So we're going to move on here to missed patch leaves more than a system vulnerable. So we're going to take, I'm sorry, folks, because this is a major emotional roller coaster from the hilarious narrative blog of Alex Hope to a very somber topic, which is a person in a life threatening condition passed away after being forced to go to a more distant hospital due to a ransomware attack. So again, sorry for the emotional whiplash, but Tarek, let's start with what exactly happened here. Do you have a quick summary for us? Yeah, yeah. Now, this is really unfortunate. So uh, German authorities made a statement last Thursday that a supposed, uh, quote, misdirected 
ransomware attack caused a shutdown of major uh, tech infrastructure at a hospital in Dusseldorf, Germany, uh, which specifically led to the death of a woman who needed urgent care and had to be taken to another uh, city for treatment. Um, and so this really, I think, marks the first time we have actual data showing a ransomware attack that led to a loss of life. Um, I know that's something that we've talked about on this podcast, too, and I think we've all collectively read about it, um, seeing as how prominent uh, ransomware attacks have been in the medical sector. Um, so we've speculated about this before, but I think this might be the first time we actually have a data to say ransomware attack led to a loss of life. No, oh, my, that's, I'm sorry that this day has come. And what do we know about the ransomware then that crippled the university hospital over there? Yeah. And so we don't actually have a, uh, any public data to tell us what uh, strain or what type or what variant of uh, specific ransomware was involved yet. Um, but what we do know is that approximately 30 servers um, at the uh, Dusseldorf Hospital uh, were compromised and had critical services rendered useless last week. Um, the attackers followed the normal patterns of leaving a ransomware note. Uh, but one of the curious points was that it was addressed to uh, an affiliated German university and not specifically the hospital. Um, and my theory is this, is that this may be because the attacker compromised a section of the university. So the university in question is uh, Heinrich Hein University. Um, and so the attacker may have compromised a section of the Heinrich Hein University network uh, that was potentially shared with the Dusseldorf Hospital. Um, because of the affiliation between the university and the hospital, there might be a network boundary in place there. So um, oftentimes attackers will see network ranges, but you know, there's really no context behind them. Uh, attackers are oftentimes just looking at IP addresses or CIDR notations and not really having the context of, hey, this is the hospital network and then this is the demarcation of the university network. Um, and so that would be my theory is that um, an attacker uh, attempted to compromise and execute an attack against the university um, and then, you know, unfortunately compromised a lot of services over in Dusseldorf's hospital. Uh, that's a theory, though. We don't actually have the data to support that. Uh, but we have some other interesting things here that might be able to back that up that we'll talk about later. Yeah. And so what then happened after the hospital systems were encrypted? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Obviously, following the, the normal pattern of how ransomware operates, uh, when you have files that are encrypted, um, there's sometimes kind of that blast radius where you'll have a critical file that's uh, dependent on like a service running, for example. So um, the spillover of impacting services can definitely happen, and that's what happened here. But I think one of the most really interesting things here is that the hospital actually negotiated uh, successfully with the attackers. Um, so the means and the channel that they did that is uh, unknown, but it's likely that, you know, uh, communication over Tor or a privacy email system like ProtonMail likely happened. But the fascinating thing is that the attacker supposedly, uh, once they found out from the uh, people at the Dusseldorf Hospital, um, uh, made them aware that the attacker actually brought down uh, hospital infrastructure, apparently the attacker actually provided the decryption key to restore services uh, to the hospital itself. So very interesting stuff. Yeah, and it sounds like the prosecutors 
are taking the actions of the hackers and the result of those actions into account. Can you say anything about that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, uh, you don't want to say the attacker was doing the right thing because the attacker was completely in the wrong, um, you know, for even conducting this type of attack. Um, but the German prosecutors are, uh, you know, attempting to pursue charges of negligent manslaughter, which, uh, according to uh, German law, uh, can get the sentence of about three to 15 years in prison. Um, so I think this is a really... Uh, you know, I hope attribution can happen here. I think this is a big wake-up call to a lot of more juvenile uh, cyber criminals where there's definitely kind of a set it and forget it uh, mentality of, um, hey, there's an exposed service here. I'm just going to go ahead and compromise it without really understanding, um, you know, what may be impacted by doing that. Um, so this is a, I think this is a big wake-up call to, uh, you know, both on the attacker side and on the defender side. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just like the liability and the consequence of anything in the in the cyberspace, if we will. It seems like we're still working through a lot of what the jurisdiction is for that. So I'll be really curious to keep an eye on what happens here, without a doubt. And so I, I am curious if you have any types of stats. I mean, this happens pretty often, not with this result exactly. But what tends to happen when hospitals are ransomware, if you will, or attacked with ransomware? Yeah, you know, so we've talked about and we've seen in the news so many times about um, medical networks and services being impacted by ransomware attacks. Um, you know, this is the first time we've actually seen a hard set number of loss of life associated with it. But there's some other really interesting data points that I kind of did some quick research on, too. So I thought uh, it was pretty uh, eye-opening. Uh, since 2016, we've seen over 172 ransomware attacks that affected over um, 1,400 hospitals, clinics, and organizations uh, in the U.S. alone, um, with over 6 million patient records impacted. Um, those two numbers are really, really stark and scary. Um, I don't think that we have the data to say a loss of life happened from those specific attacks, but... I don't think it's unreasonable to say it wasn't. Um, I think there's so many complexities that are in play when you bring services down in a hospital network that, you know, we can't definitively say loss of life never happened previously. Um, I think it's just really difficult to quantify. And maybe for legal reasons and privacy reasons, hospitals don't want to disclose that, um, which is totally understandable. Um, you know, another thing too, from a, from a financial cost perspective, um, the downtime costs are really eye-opening here too from a um, from an uptime perspective. Um, there was one report that I read that said that the average downtime cost for uh, major impact or major hospitals in the California region uh, would cost about 23 to $35 million on average. Um, and, and so these, these are staggering numbers. Um, and then you also have uh, a lot of uh, interesting cyber criminals that are in play with their ransomware amounts. Um, you know, we've seen specifically targeting the medical sector, ransomware amounts varying from, you know, on the low end of like $1,600 all the way up to $14 million. Um, and some of those are actually successful too. Some hospital networks will make the, you know, financial decision to pay that money, which only emboldens attackers to keep attacking hospital networks. 
Um, and then I think lastly, legal costs um, are still, uh, you know, really two to be determined here, but legal um, has such an impact here when you have, you know, over 6 million patient records um, are impacted. And so a lot of this stuff gets uh, caught up in the court systems. There's lawsuits that are involved and it can just be a major impact to uh, people's lives and uh, finances. Well said there, Tarkin. Thank you for collecting sort of those facts or trends, if you will, just data points, as you said. And based on these data points that you just shared with us, I'm guessing that this story doesn't really surprise you. But um, where are you in terms of level of concern? And do you think this will change anything for hospitals going forward and protecting themselves against something like this attack? Yeah, I, you know, I would love to say that this would be a wake up call uh, to hospital, uh, you know, network administrators and those in hospital tech. Um, I think that everyone's probably trying to do their best to circumvent and mitigate and remediate these kind of attacks when they happen. Um, you know, but that being said, it doesn't surprise me. Um, in fact, it's, um, I, I, I guess so much for the whole Robin Hood aspect of, of cybercrime, right? Um, this is one I think is a, uh, just a really, really sad data point to have now where we have that, you know, actual loss of life that occurred uh, because of this kind of a, because of this specific cyber attack. So, um, you know, civilians are starting to be impacted. It's, this isn't, you know, nation states attacking other nation states. Um, this is, you know, uh, cyber criminals attacking and, you know, leading to loss of life of, you know, innocent people. So, I think it'll be really interesting to see if this trend continues, if we see more data around this, um, and then what governments in private sector, um, how are they going to respond to it? Because loss of life is a whole different aspect as opposed to, you know, um, the insurance and the fraud, you know, coverage kind of thing where, hey, a breach happens and, oh, don't worry, insurance will go ahead and pony up and pay for that, right? Uh, so, but when it leads to loss of life, I think this will be really interesting to see how things go moving forward. I think if the security space had a hero, their name would have to be Robin Hoodie. <laughs> I that like would it. Have to be. Um, <laughs> Did you? I, my favorite part was Chad's. He unmuted just to go silent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna start recording yeah. like in screen flow the dynamics of us recording in cast because I think that's half the humor right there. Um, as an example, or go ahead, um, Chad, or should I call you Dad, which is yeah. what you logged in as in cast? This is why we need to switch to having us all on video. Um, we need a we need a studio and eventually a live studio audience. I think, yeah. I mean, my dog is currently my live studio audience. Yeah, she's laughing on the inside. I can tell. Mm. And my wife. She <laughs> was not excited that I left her out of that just now. <laughs> <laughs> Can you laugh track? <laughs> well, um, let's zoom through this hoodie rating thing before I have to do some damage control. Um, <laughs> Chad, what would you rate this at? Um, you know, this is this is ten out of ten. I think there's a lot of things in in play here. Um, you know, first off, loss of life is is huge. Um, and it, it kind of shows, I know that there's been, we've talked in the past, there's some CTI groups that have actually like asked these ransomware authors, like been in telegram chats with them and been like, please do not attack hospitals, you know? Um, 
And, you know, the ransomware authors have been like, oh, we're just going to do it anyways. And now you have a um, loss of life. Like once once the cyber world spreads into kinetic, like what what happens? Uh, what happens there? What the, can the retaliation look like? You know, um, and then on top of that, uh, you have other CTI groups. Where I've read that the vulnerability that they were vulnerable to was the um, Shitrix vulnerability which was patched nine months ago and that people actually reached out to them to tell them they were vulnerable. Um, in which case, you know, it's uh, part of like, is the IT responsible then for this, um, uh, for not patching their systems, you know? Um, so it, it's, there's a lot going on there and uh, it's a, it brings up a lot of questions and um, a lot of them are dark. So um, 10 out of 10. Dark indeed. What do you think? What do you think, Tarek? Yeah, you know, this is an obvious 10 out of 10 for me. Um, I think the only, I think one other thing that I want to kind of throw out there too is like, it's a new paradigm, right? Where um, what is, is hacking back when loss of life is involved? Would we consider that self-defense? I mean, it's it's kind of a, a, maybe a rhetorical question, but it's something to honestly think about. If you conduct a cyber attack that involves a loss of life, do you have the right to hack back? because of self-defense. I mean, clearly someone got hurt. So clearly somebody died. Um, and maybe that's, I think that's something that's an ongoing discussion, but I feel like if we in the private sector don't answer that, maybe the government will step in and, um, you know, through some sort of, you know, legalities or law, we might have something in place, but I think it's a whole new, uh, whole new interesting realm to think about. Something to maybe put on Robin Hoodie's radar for the time being, perhaps. Or In, hero. Indeed. <laughs> All righty. Well, thank you both, of course, for your wonderful insight and good humor. Let's move in to Two Truths and a Lie. I believe Chad is up this week. A quick reminder, the goal of this is for Chad to provide three articles, two of which are true, one of which is a lie. And um, there's, of course, a point system um, that I'm leading right now, which means I'm probably just shot myself in the foot with my own ego. Um, cross your fingers for me, audience. But uh, Chad, mm -hmm. go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Let's do this. Um, let's see. APT 39 hackers indicted after stealing aerospace and satellite data. Um, U.S. Department of the Interior failed its latest security assessment due to no Wi-Fi defenses. And then lastly, new Windows exploit no login, named no login, allows attackers to instantly become admins on enterprise networks. Ooh, what was the first one again? APT 39 hackers indicted after stealing aerospace and satellite data. And the second one, sorry. The uh, U.S. Department of the Interior failed its latest security assessment due to no Wi-Fi defenses. I'm going with Wi-Fi defenses, the second one. All right, Tarek, I'm going to go in with you, and here's what's going to happen if we're both wrong. Chad will be tied with me in first place. And you will be Are you ready to make second. that? I I'm, trust you, T-Money. Yeah, you shouldn't. 
first off. <laughs> I, uh, I feel like the gauntlet is thrown, though. I mean, I don't think I can come back on this now. I think Chad will hold me accountable to that. That's so this is a pride jury. thing now. This is definitely, I mean, I've, I lost my dignity a long time ago, but my pride, I'll lose today. <laughs> <laughs> all right, for all the pride in the world, let's see what the answer is. All right, I would... Uh... I would download TikTok uh, if I could, but it's banned thanks to the Commerce Department, um, and celebrate my victory. Oh, um, son of a gun. Lie. Oh. Uh, the lie was the uh, Windows exploit. It's called Zero Logon. Oh, you uh, son of a gun. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. I, I went with, uh, you know, let's trick Tark because I know that he has read about this this week. And um, if I just tweak that name, it would be really funny to steal points oh, from him. Oh, man. But, yeah, because uh, my, my, my dumb brain remembered all of that except for the actual exploit name. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that one happened. Yeah. You're, you're a slick one, dude. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That was He's a mean one. It kind of felt like I was like, do I change up, you know, aerospace and satellite data, or do I change like which department? You know, is it this you you know failed? But it all worked out in the end. <laughs> For you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sitting uh-huh. over here like a bum in last place. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> With the CVE open. Sorry, it's CVE 2018-3241 instead of 4211. <laughs> oh, man. <Gotcha>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, Chad, I, I guess I should thank you. Um, thanks for checking my my pride and my ego mm-hmm. i've just tossed it just imagine the sound of when you drag something into the recycling bin on your desktop that's what just happened to it i've always imagined that's like the sound when you put inspector gadget through a shredder um but yeah. <laughs> oh no my childhood <laughs> so it just gets like one shred in and then it's ruined because it's it's too tough of a material you just yeah. get one thunk yeah, it's like what if is uh what if is what kind of coat is that? You know, creeper coat gets caught in a um, in a. Uh, I'm a chipper. little perturbed by how many things you remember from Inspector Gadget. Oh, I recently rewatched uh you know both some Inspector Gadget as well as Doogie Howser MD. You have to keep up on these things. Um, it's important. Keeping so up like, is an interesting way. To yeah. Raise. It's like four years ago, I rewatched all of Highlander TV series, which is the worst thing I've ever done. There can only be one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, golly. Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll watch me some Inspector Inspector Gadget. I think in the name of how many times Inspector Gadget has come up. And in fact, when I edit this podcast, maybe I will note I'll tally tally ho the number of Inspector Gadget references, but. Therefore, we must name this episode Go Go Inspector Element. Mm. <laughs> Don't even need a blooper reel for you, Chad. You just <laughs> bake it into the episode. I love it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, glad that we're all breathing fresh air again for all those impacted by the fires and the smoke. I hope you and your families are safe and healthy. And we will be back next week. And we have some exciting news on this front. So do stay tuned. And also, on top of every place you can already listen to podcasts, you can now find us 
on Amazon's podcast. So you can go find us in a prime place and we will be there. And throwing this out there, you can listen to us on your Alexa devices while you're cooking or just meandering around your house. Alexa, buy me a very expensive Inspector Gadget gadget. <laughs> I don't know where I was going to go with that. I Alexa, just... play yeah. Breaking Badness at volume 10. Oh no, mine's actually going. Oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What have I done? <laughs> Well, that's all, folks. I don't think we can end on a higher note than that. We'll see you next week for episode 61 of Breaking Badness. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. <laughs>